Hi, thank you very much for tuning in to our program today. We believe that God has a word for you. We live in a time and in a world that is full of questions. Our prayer for you today is that the word of the Lord today will bring you light, direction, encouragement, and inspiration. The Lord will touch you at the right point of need. In Jesus' name, amen. Say to your neighbor, peace to you. Peace to your house. Peace to all that you have. In Jesus' name. Amen. Please turn in your Bibles with me today to Psalm, Psalm 61. We're going to read from 1 to 5, Psalm 61. We'll read from 1 to 5. The Bible says, Hear my cry, O God. Attend to my prayer. Somebody saying that as a prayer today. Is someone here saying, Hear my cry, O God? Or is it only me saying, Hear my cry, O God? Hear my cry, O God. Over my life, over my family, over my ministry, over my future, hear my cry, O God. Attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth, I cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been a shelter for me. A strong tower from the enemy. May God be the strong tower. May be your shelter. I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. And quickly I want to run to Matthew 26. I will read from 36 to 39. Matthew 26, 36 to 39. The Bible says, Then Jesus came with them to the place called Gethsemane, and he said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. He took with him Peter and two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. I want you to know that Jesus Christ, if you feel sorrowful, if you feel distressed, Jesus knows your pain. He's been through that too. But what did he do when he was distressed? The Bible said, then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little further and fell on his face and prayed and said, and said, oh, my father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Amen. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you breathe over your word this morning. Lord, interpret the scriptures in our hearts. And I pray for every hearer of mine in the name of Jesus. Open their hearts to be able to receive your truth. Grant us the grace to mix faith with the truth. That we may run in the path of life. And be raised above the limits of this world. And the things that situations are brought against us to crush us. Father, we receive grace to rise over it today. Thank you for healing, for breakthroughs, for miracles. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The title of my message is, Lead Me to the Rock. It's a prayer. Because I believe somebody here today is praying this prayer. The 64th term as we just read. It's one of the favorite psalms that uh, many people know. In the Bible, songs have been written about this psalm. Many people have uh, read poems about this psalm. I believe that um, there will have been folks who even are creative enough to have done some drama about this psalm. Hear my cry, O God, attend to my prayer. 
But what I found out is that all the beautiful works of art that we have seen, how men have depicted this passage over the years, I actually often wonder whether many times we have considered the real pain of what was behind the psalm. Because there are some psalms we sing them as songs. It's almost like you are reading a book somebody wrote about their narrow escape. And you enjoy the story rather than actually feel the pain. Or somebody is sharing their testimony, how they survived a near-death point in their life. And you're joking and you're laughing because of the way they experienced or they explained the story. But more importantly, so that we can gain the wisdom of it, is to try and feel the pain sometimes. Because it is in then that you know how to apply it when your time comes. The story about this psalm is one of the moments that was so dangerous, so difficult in the life of David. David, who we know to be a fighter. But he seems to be at a point of despair in this story. David had fought many battles. We know of a fact that David fought with beasts. He fought with the best of men. He fought with the best of soldiers. He fought kings. He fought demons. David was a man of many battles. David fought so hard that there was hardly a moment of peace or silence in his life. In fact, one very unusual moment of peace in the life of David, when men went to war, he just said, you know what? I fought many battles. The Bible said he decided to stay back in his palace. That was one moment that David got into trouble. You know how that went down. And one time he said to God, God, I want to build you a temple. God said, that's a very nice idea, my son. But you have shed so many blood. Let your son do it. So David was a man of war. The Bible told us clearly how David ran from cave to cave. In fact, he ran sometimes to dead ends. But God made a way of escape. I want to pray for somebody here this morning. If you have been running from cave to cave, from problem to problem, and it seems that you have found yourself at a dead end, I want to say that the God who made a way of escape to David, may he make a way of escape for you. God will not leave you or abandon you. God will see you through that situation. God will carry you through. Under his wing, he will bear you up. In the name of Jesus. But in this psalm, it was one of those most painful moments in the life of David. David was on exile. David had just had a trouble, unusual trouble, a pain you do never wish to pray for. It was not from an outsider. It was not from an enemy you couldn't even talk to. It was from his own son, Absalom. The Bible tells us that Absalom had just caused a rebellion. He had just taken over the kingdom. And he was coming into the city with a mighty army. But I want you to know this. No matter how mighty his army was, they were not even a match for the army of David. But David felt, hmm, why will I have to fight my own son? So he told his mighty men, let's go. Let's leave city. Let's leave the throne. Let's leave the kingdom for him. Let him take over. Wow. Now it almost seems like he was giving up. My friends, sometimes... Because you are a man of war, sometimes the way to respond is not necessarily showing strength. He left the matter to God to fight. His chief priest took the ark of God. Because wherever David went, that was where the ark of God had to be. And he said to the priest, he said, return that to its dwelling place. 
He said, if I found favor in the eyes of God, he will make me to see it and its dwelling place. I want to understand something. As much as the throne was important, was great, what David's desire was at that time was to be able to see the dwelling place of the ark of God. That's why later on when he sang this psalm, it was one of the things he missed most. Haven't had that time to dwell in the dwelling place of God. And anyway, so David left city. And as he left, we know the kind of attacks he even had on the road. As if that was not bad enough. His son came into power and didn't leave the father alone. Then under the advice, which was ill advice, he sent his own army against his father. And they fought against the army of David. Now when this was going to start, David gave out instructions. He said, well, fight as you must fight. But please, no harm must come to the young man, Absalom. How do you fight and keep Absalom safe? But that was instruction. And so everybody went out. But in the process, Absalom died. And they brought the news to David about the death of his son. It was a very bad day. And he cried, Absalom, my beloved son. How I wish I had died in your place. Can you imagine? This was a son against him. But I was to tell you the love of a father. But in any case, what happened in that situation was that David now became so broken, so heartbroken. He was dealing with a divided kingdom because by this time, the kingdom had split. Dealing with a divided family. He was dealing with the loss of a son. How do you explain to your wife that my soldiers killed your son? But anyway, that's a different story. But what's part of this? His own army were threatening to actually desert him. Why? Because Joab marched up to him and said to him that you have failed the people miserably. And the people, the army are all dejected outside. And unless you rise up from this, your pain, by evening time, there will be no one left with you. Now, David has never found himself at this point. Because even in the cave, the people were with him. So on this day, he sang this song. Sang this song unto the Lord. And he began to speak. But you see, when things were bad, when things are generally bad, the devil has a way of complicating stories. Somehow, troubles tend to follow each other. But trouble will not follow you. In the name of Jesus. This is the way it is in the spirit. The enemy sees a child of God who is weak. And because he's weak, He's focusing on what is affecting him or her. And there are certain things the person is not doing at that time. So there is a gap in the armor. There is an opening. So more enemies come, more demons come. Turn to you and turn to more and more. That's really what goes on. But the Bible tells me in Micah chapter 7 verse 8. It says, rejoice not over me, my enemy. When I fall, I will arise. Are you following me now? It's not even about if I fall. It's about when I fall. You may have seen me falling, but I'm rising up. Yeah. I said I'm getting out. Yeah. I'm getting up. Yeah. This is not all it's going to be. This is not the end of my story. I may have fallen, but I'm rising. I may have lost it, but I'm getting it back. I may have been blind one time, but I will see again. Yeah. He said when I sit in darkness, the Lord will be light to me. Yeah. All you may see right now was the darkness, but there is a light that shineth in the darkness. God will make a way of escape for his own people. Can I have an amen, somebody? Yeah. Sometimes it seems like you're out of job, out of contract, 
It seems like there's no money coming. But that's the time that some old bills begin to know. That's the time that you will have some kind of visitation. That's the time that your boiler will be making noise. When problem comes sometimes, it comes almost like a deluge. But I say to you that even the problem comes, God comes much more. He says that the devil comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. But I am come. I say that the coming of the Lord will make an impact. In the name of Jesus. The Bible tells us, friends, that in Proverbs 18, verse 10, it says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are saved. When trouble comes like that, my friend, where you run to matters. Run into the name of the Lord. Run into the name of the Lord. Can I have an amen? Amen. So what you do when this kind of moment comes is important. David in this psalm shows us, just like the passage that we read in the case of Jesus Christ, shows us what to do when it seems like the problem is beyond you. The first thing that David said here is that, Hear my cry, O God, attend to my prayers. The fact that you have a need is not surprising to God. No matter what needs are represented here this morning, and the needs could be various. It could be very various needs. Some people's needs are physical. Some are healing. Some are financial. Some are spiritual. But I've seen because of needs, many people run to the wrong things. They run to the wrong places. People who are intelligent, who are educated. They run to places where they themselves know. This thing does not make sense. This thing does not even make faith. But I need help. Somebody told me that they get some kind of help there. So you go to places where you seem to get help. You get one help, but you get seven more troubles in place. The devil is not out to help you. He's out to trap you. He will take one from you, and you are shouting, I have lost that one. That one is gone, but you have got seven. And with the seven now, you are trapped. And that's exactly the strategy of Satan. And this is going to increase in this end time. And children of God must understand that it is not because you have trouble you should forget who is the God of all gods. That is the God that you can call and say, God, hear my cry. Oh God, attend unto my prayers. Stop going to sanctuary that cannot help you. Stop going to people that cannot, they cannot help themselves. They can only entrap you and lead you into the place where God does not wish for you. And so in this passage, David cried unto God. You know, Jesus Christ did the same thing. When he got into the situation that he knew the cross time had come. Jesus Christ knew that he had to go to the cross. It was a hard decision. But rather than argue, rather than debate it, rather than even though he could fight it, like I said about David, David could send his army. Jesus Christ said, do you think I could not call a thousand angels? I could have fought, but I chose to leave it to the Father. I chose to ask my father. So Jesus Christ prayed. He prayed. The Bible said he cried and prayed in the garden. So much that the sweat that came out of his body was like blood. He was showing us the pattern of coming out of pain. He was showing us how to deal with a situation that's overwhelming. Just like David prayed in this passage. But in this situation, he cried. My friends, weeping must quicken prayer. It's not to deaden it. If you are weeping in this place, it's not a reason for you to stop praying. So you know what? God even knows. Even God himself knows. He knows what I'm going through. I am not going to church. I'm not going to pray. God knows what I've been dealing with. No, weeping is not a reason for you not to be quickened in prayer. Every opportunity you have for praying, pray. 
You might not be able to, to, to shout. God even will hear your whisper. God sees it's the direction of your heart that God is waiting for. You must call upon God in the day. Call upon him in the night time. Call upon him. Let God lift you out of that pain. The Bible tells us in James chapter 5 verse 13. He said, is there any afflicted? Let him pray. So you see, affliction should lead a person to prayer. It's not supposed to make you not to say, well, I am, I'm on strike against God. Why are we not seeing you in church anymore these days? Um, because of what I'm going through. When everything is resolved, you will see me again. Really? That's not how it goes. Because of what you are going through is even the reason why you should say, I will dwell in the church until my case is resolved. The Bible tells us in Psalm 102, verse 1 to 2, it says, hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. My prayer for you is that your cry will come to the right place. Yeah. Your letter will not be misdirected. It will come straight unto God. He said, do not hide your face from me in the day of my trouble. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my trouble. Incline your ear to hear me in the day that I will call. Answer me speedily. I love that. Answer me speedily. There are prayers that have been delayed here. I say, Lord, this year, 2019, Father, answer us speedily. Yeah. Oh, yes, answer us speedily. Yeah. Letters in the polls that have been delayed, let it come speedily. Yeah. Jobs that should come, let them come speedily. Yeah. Healings in the name of Jesus, let them come speedily. Yeah. Papers that should come, let them come speedily. Yeah. Families that should be started, let them come speedily. Husbands that should come, let them come speedily. Yeah. Wives that should come, let them come speedily. Yeah. Father, hear us, O God. Incline your ears unto our prayers. Yeah. The psalmist said, when my heart is overwhelmed. What does it mean for the heart to be overwhelmed? The word overwhelmed means to be crushed. There are some news that can crush a spirit. Overwhelmed. A man of God went to the city to minister, to do a crusade. And he asked his family to come behind him. Come in a vehicle with some elders of the church. And he went with the advanced team. And on the first night he was ministering. And the family was coming on the road. And some of you know the story. And then the family had an accident. His daughters were in that vehicle with his most trusted trustees, people that started to work with him, all died in the vehicle. And he finished preaching. And the people who brought the bad news were waiting for him to finish. It's supposed to be a week-long crusade in the city of Accra. And then they didn't know how to break the news, but they knew they had to break the news. They knew they had to break the news, so they told him that they had to go and view the bodies in the mortuary. There are some news that were crushed. Now, it wasn't just an ordinary time. It was exactly this time of the year. It was Easter. It was a crusade for resurrection. What do you do when what you're encountering is exactly opposite to what you are standing for? My friend, all you still do is you still pray. You still call upon God. You still call upon God. A few years ago, one of our prominent musicians, our gospel artists, he sang a song. What do you do 
When you've done all you can and it seems it's never enough, but all you still have to do is stand. He says, stand through the pain. Stand through the storm. He sang the storm when he was healthy. A few years down the line, he had to operate his throat. He had to operate his throat or something like that. Somebody had to do some kind of cutting. And he could not sing. Then he had another man who didn't have to operate his leg, Fred Hammond. So Fred Hammond and um, Johnny McLaughlin now stood on the platform. One didn't have a good leg. The other didn't have a good voice. And I'll never forget the picture. And Fred said, my friend had an operation, I know he can't sing. But what do you do? <laughs> and I, I didn't have an operation there, but I have an operation here. I can sing, but I can't stand. There are things that you are saying, the things you are doing, that the devil will come and bring back to you as a, what do you say now? You said you are smart, what do you say now? You say you have a God, but what do you say now? But I said the devil is a liar. I said the devil is a liar. That's what he said to the son of God. He said you say you are the son of God. Say deliver yourself now. They taunted him. They beat him. They did all kind of things. They said save yourself now. Don't be afraid that the devil is taunting you. Rather remind him of the end. That I will still stand. I may have to, I may have to, I may have to lean on a, on, a, on a little stick for some time. I may have to whisper, but I'm standing. I will stand to the end. I will stand to the end. And I say, God will carry me through. That's what resurrection is about. He said, when I'm overwhelmed, when I'm crushed. When I'm crushed, overwhelmed means to be crushed. Overwhelmed simply means, my friend, to be covered with a big weight. Sometimes finances can make a person overwhelmed. Some legal bills can make you overwhelmed. Sometimes some school fees can make you overwhelmed. Sometimes some relationship issues can make you overwhelmed. Some people have got some information about their family member can make you overwhelmed. Turn you to become a person who does not know how to do. I have seen doctors, I think it was just this year. Yeah, this year they were going to do the barrier. Of this person, this actually, they wanted to rent a uh, facility with this person's barrier. This person was a chief uh, surgeon of uh, oncology or something about cancer. But in the area, in this particular, I don't know, the zone area, this person, he spent his life really helping folks, patients with cancer. And he was hit with cancer and died within six weeks. Do you understand what I'm talking about? What do you do when situations hit you that confounds and confounds your position? The point I'm making you to see this morning is to be overwhelmed simply means you look right, you live there, you don't even know what do I turn to. But this is a secret this afternoon because David showed us, he said, Lord, hear my cry. Hear my cry, oh God, attend to my prayer. He said, from the ends of the earth. What does it mean? To be from the ends of the earth, there are times in life that you feel you are too far from God or God is too far from you. The ends of the earth is to find yourself in a position that you think you are standing aloof. Ends of the earth. It's not about a geographical location. It's about a place of no help. A place where the night seems long than normal and the days drag. 
You just walk around like zombie. You just don't know what to do. If you are in that position this morning, I say there is help in the house. Yeah. There is help in the name of the Lord. Yeah. Say, my help. My help. I can't hear you. It's in the name of the Lord. The psalmist said, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. There are four things I want to say about this rock. Number one, the rock that is too high for me to climb by human endeavor. Climb by my own effort. Friend, if what you are going through can be fixed by you, then you don't need God. You don't need God. Help! That this rock we are talking about is not a rock that you can put a ladder on. It's not one that you can go on rock climbing course and climb it. There are places that the circumstances of life will bring you to that you will know that it's only God who can fix this. There are deadlines you will get in life that only God can carry you over that limit. Bring me to the place. And boy, in this one, it begins with your salvation. Rock, because nobody can save themselves except God made a way. Man could not save ourselves. God had to send his only begotten son. The rock that no human effort can climb. The blood of bulls couldn't climb it. The best of prophets and priests could not do it. So God said, my own hand brought me salvation. God had to send man. He had to send himself as man to save mankind. Bring me to that rock. The rock that makes me to shout out that the Lord leave it. That is the rock of my salvation. The rock that saved me. The rock which I could not even do myself. I couldn't pay for my own sins. The more I tried, the more I failed. I don't know who you are this morning and you are struggling with anything in your life. It could be a habit. It could be fixing something. But you know, you really need to give it to God. You need to say, Lord, just save me. Lord, save me. Lord, deliver me. I can't help myself the more I try, the more I'm feeling. Lord, I bring it to you today. Help me. Save me. Mankind couldn't save himself. Number two, bring me to the rock that is higher than I. This is the rock on top of which I shall be set beyond the reach of my troubles. When you stand upon that rock, the troubles cannot reach you. He's speaking about the rock where God places you, my friend. The trouble will come, but it can't touch you. The trouble will try, but it can't reach you. It's not because it's not making the effort. God said, I will put you in the cleft of the rock. And when my glory comes, I will pass by. That's what he did in Egypt. When he put them in the house, the angel of death came, my friends. But he could not touch them because there was a blood covering. That blood will cover your house. There will be death on the right, death on the left, but he will cover you. He will cover your ways, cover your children, cover all that you do. Because he said, I will put it in the cleft of the rock. That is a place where God has said to beyond the reach of the troubles. There are troubles every time, troubles in the land. But if you are put in the covering of the rock, nothing that is affecting all normal people will weigh you down. You will see it. You will feel the rain. You will feel the heat. But God will sustain you. Yeah. I don't know whether you've been on a cruise in a particular cabin where you can see the water hitting the window. You can see beneath the ocean. 
You can see all kinds of things. You can see the water outside, but it cannot come inside. That is where God has covered you. God has shielded you. May the Lord shield you. May he shield you from all kind of plagues. May he shield you from all kind of troubles. May he shield you from all kinds of complications that may arise in your place of work. That may arrive in the country you live in. May God shield you, shield your children from the perversion of this age. May God shield our children from the perversion of this age. No, we must pray on that. Rise up. There's so much perversion. And what is sad about it is many of our children are taking it for granted. There is perversion in our age. There is perversion in this age. And it will get worse. Why don't you just lift up your voice and say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I lift up our children. I lift up our children unto you, O God. Shield them, Lord. Shield them from the perversion of their age. Please pray for one minute. Pray. Pray for one minute. There is perversion. Don't think it is not around you. It is nearer you than you imagine. So much perversion. So much perversion. In our time. And it's just getting worse. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. You may be seated. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. The third dimension of this rock, friends, is a rock which will place the problem in its right perspective. Every problem is a question of where you are standing. What I consider a problem that will get my attention might not be the one that will get your own attention. It's a question of our perspective. Listen, friends. Some people will immediately react to certain things where some people will ignore it. Do you understand that? Have you been to the hospital and you thought you had a problem? And the doctor or the nurse said, is there is anything else? You say, ah. The one I told you has not even made you collapse. <laughs> I'm telling you, I have got this problem. They are looking at your problem in a little way. Why? Because the doctor can see what you can't see. Do you understand that? Because where they are standing is not where you are standing. It's the same thing in the spirit. God needs to bring you to a platform where the problem will be underneath your feet. Where you can step up on it. Amen. And that's exactly what is important. Bring me to a rock that is higher than I. When I stand on that platform, then the problem becomes small. You look at some high-rising buildings, some skyscrapers, and you look at them and you are, you are looking so... Even the Eiffel Tower, when you look at it, it's like, wow, this is tall. But when you go on a flight and your plane is taking off over France, you are looking at what you are panting to climb. And you're like, this thing was so, even so small. God will give you the problem that used to overwhelm you to become so small. It will become so small to you in the name of Jesus. That is the perception. Take me to the rock that is higher. Because that rock will now put the devil under your feet. The devil that used to harass you. You now begin to tell it what it is. You put it to its own place. You tell the devil you are under my feet. Can I have an amen? amen. The Bible tells us in Psalm 40 verse 2. He said he also brought me up out of a horrible pit. You see when I was in the pit. I was down there. And all I could do was look up. 
But God brought me up. May God bring you out of the horrible pits. Horrible pits is a place of darkness and stench. But God will raise you. God will lift you. He said, out of the merry clay. Now the merry clay is, you're trying to rise up, but you're falling back inside. You're trying to get up, but you're falling back inside. I say, finally, God will establish your feet. In the name of Jesus. He set my feet upon the rock and established my steps. No more falling. No more starting your business and collapsing. No more starting the application and failing. No more getting health today and getting sick tomorrow. God will deliver you and will grant you sound health in the name of Jesus. Number four, the rock. The rock which cannot be shifted or blown by any storm. Take me to a rock that is higher than I. This rock we are talking about, my friends, is a rock that is stable. Because life will shift you. Things of life can change people's position. Circumstances that you are thinking, well, God is good today. Then before afternoon, the weather changes. Or something happens and you are like, God, why have you forsaken me? I thought you said God was good. But when God places your feet on that rock, it has anchored your faith. The Bible said in Hebrews 6.19, it says, This hope we have as an anchor of our soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters into the presence behind the, the veil. So what are you saying? What I'm saying to us today is that this rock, my friends, is a rock that actually grants stability. Amen? But what is the rock you are telling us about, Pastor? The Bible tells us the nature and the identity of the rock is in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 1, it says, Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that our fathers were under the cloud. They passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They ate the same spiritual food. All drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. I pray that in the name of Jesus, the rock that can heal. May that rock be in you. May that rock carry you. May that rock lift you. The rock that can deliver, the rock that can heal, the rock that can feed, the rock that can satisfy, may that rock be your portion. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. The psalmist said, take me to the rock that is higher than I. Then in verse 3, quickly. He said, for you have been a shelter for me. You have been a shelter for me. What is he saying here? The psalmist is saying, the reason why in the midst of my pain, I can still make my prayers to you is because I have an experience with you. I have an experience with you. My dear friends, it is the experience of God that you have that will determine your expectation in the time of crisis. He said, I have experience. You have been my shelter. You have been my shelter. Jesus Christ, at the darkest of all hours, when he could have easily taken a shortcut, he said, the hour is tight, it's heavy. This cup is heavy. My father, I really wish you would change this situation, but not my will. Your will be done. Why could Jesus Christ take such a decision? Because he has tasted of the Father. He knows the Father can be trusted. So that the darkest of hours, he said, Father, it's in your hand. I commit my spirit. 
And not only that, when everybody came against him, he knew that there was a deal with his father. My friend, what's your experience of God? In Psalm 46 verse 1 to 5, it tells us that God is our refuge and strength. May the Lord strengthen you. May he quicken you. May he strengthen you financially. Strengthen you spiritually. Emotionally. Medically, may strengthen you. When men tell you that there is no power, there is no grace, there is no ability in you, may the strength of God come through. Say, God is our refuge and our strength. A very present help in trouble. I want to know that God has not abandoned you. He's not gone to heaven and then left you here or now. He said, I will never leave you or forsake you. He's a present help in trouble. So if you are in trouble this morning, don't think God forgot about you. Don't think we are talking about a God who cannot jump into trouble. When you are in trouble, he didn't say he's a present help at time of trouble. In trouble, he jumps into the trouble with you. If you are in jail, he's in jail with you. It was inside jail, he set Peter free. He didn't just send the word, he got into the jail with him. Are you following me now? He was in jail. If you are in the hospital, he is in the hospital with you. He is a present help in trouble. Don't feel abandoned. Don't feel alone. Man may not remember you, but he's there with you. He is there with you. He's touching you. He's touching your situation right now in the name of Jesus. He is a present help. What do you mean present? You mean he doesn't travel. You mean he's not engaged somewhere else. He's present with you. Now, friend, listen carefully to this. It is not the presence of God that is so much the question. It's your perception of his presence for you. Let me say this. You might think, well, pastor is here, but he's not going to care anyway. So you know he's in the house, but he doesn't care. If your perception of him is good, if your perception of him is justly, then you know he's there to help you. Yeah. The Bible says that though the waters may roar, the waters may be troubled. He said, though the mountains may shake with its swelling. He said, there is a river that flows. The stream of which will make glad the city of God. And I decree today a quickening of that river. Yeah. Let the river of life flow. Yeah. I said the river will flow. Yeah. In your life it will flow. Yeah. In your situation it will flow. Yeah. I quicken the river. Let that river bring healing. Let it bring life. Let it bring joy. In the name of Jesus. Yeah. Wherever the river will flow, I command life to flow. In the name of Jesus. Yeah. Let the river flow into every dryness. Yeah. Wherever there is sadness, let the river of joy flow. Yeah. In the name of Jesus. Yeah. There is a river that brings healing. It brings life. Every deadness when the river passes through, it brings life unto it. It brings healing to the nation. May it flow through you in Jesus' name. Yeah. David said that this God, he has been my shelter. A tower from my enemy. Tower speaks about he has raised my elevation. So that I can see the enemy, I can shoot straight. From today, you have an, a better view of your situation. Yeah. Accurate perception of things. You will not talk like he who does not know the mind of God. Stop looking down at the problem. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Be thou lifted up the everlasting door. Lift up your eyes to the hills. Where my help comes from? Command the higher power from above. 
And the Lord will answer us today. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Friend, when things were hard and difficult, look at what David did here. David said, I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. Hmm. I will abide. As I begin to tie this message up, it is not the fact that God will not shelter you or that it's not your shelter. It is whether we are ready to abide in that. Two things, very important. You and I must be prepared to abide in his temple. When you don't abide in this tabernacle, when you don't abide in the help provided, it will seem like God is far from you. David said in this psalm, he said, Lord, I will abide in your tabernacle forever. If I get out of this situation, if I make it back to where you place me, I will dwell in your holy temple. There will be no separation between me and the ark. I will abide in the tabernacle. While he said that naturally, it's also figuratively, it's because the tabernacle in future is going to become this holy tabernacle where his presence will dwell. Remember David used to speak almost like one that saw the Messiah even before his own time. And then he said, I will trust in your shelter. For under your wings, I will trust in the shelter of your wings. What does that really mean? It's like a little chicken that is under the hen that is protected by the wing, by the wings of the mother. I shall dwell there. This morning, I want to bring all of us to that place of dwelling under that wing, under that shelter. Because that's what the blood covering is all about. Nobody is too big for it. In fact, not trusting in it will expose you to the weather's outside. And God is saying to you that it's only under his shelter that you and I can dwell safely. Wow. We want you to please get in touch with us or more information you would like to need. We have counselors and people who are waiting to help you. Until next time, stay blessed and stay restored.